Right, it's a June podcast with The Right Place. Alex is with us again. Hello, Alex. Hello, Darren. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. You all right? Very good, very good. Enjoy the weather. So this month we're going to be looking at if millennials... Uh, I don't like that term myself. Uh. It's always a bit odd, isn't it? Uh, if they're going to ever be able to afford to buy their own homes, obviously a lot of stats have come out over the last few years that people are staying with mum and dad longer. Uh, they've got to save more for a deposit now since all the mortgage regulations and all that uh, have got more stiffer over the last uh, few years. And I believe that this podcast was inspired by our very own Greg Burnett, who yeah, does drive time. Absolutely, your very own Greg. He asked me this question last month, and it's funny because I just recently been looking at some figures on it so uh, right i said to him well i'll answer you next month and i and i guess you know you were making the point just before we started recording that you know we're kind of of the generation uh, where we have been able to get on the property ladder and i suppose the days where you get 100 percent mortgages house prices were a lot lower uh, certainly in 2018 things are quite different yes what we're going to look at is how they've changed over the last three generations right and um really interesting and I must admit I didn't know the answers to these questions before I started looking at them I think it will surprise a lot of people all right so uh, first of all then what do you think is the main cause of uh, first-time buyers not being able to buy their first home do you think it's generally the cost is it the mortgage regulations and the hoops that you have to jump through like a lot of these things Darren it's everything it's a combination of all those factors and we'll look at uh, those in a little bit more detail so people can can genuinely understand the effects of them but you know what I would like to say is is that uh, myself my generation the generation before me i think we've all suffered our problems when it comes to getting on the housing ladder and uh like a lot of these things they're they're the same problems but they're different and that's what we're going to find out about all right excellent so uh let's cover um you know the local market really there's a, a sense in milton Keynes. Uh, you know, that landlords are buying up a lot of property, people from abroad, and that's pushing up prices. What what an effect is that having on property prices here in Milton Keynes? Well, that's something that gets touted about quite a lot. And it's funny how, um, you know, landlords can be blamed for, for affecting house prices when we make up um, only a fifth of the total housing market. The reality is, is that uh, anyone who's an owner-occupier or wanting to become an owner-occupier is competing with far more owner-occupiers than they are with landlords. And in fact, you know, we can't deny that there's competition between landlords first-time buyers but also what we refer to as second steppers people moving up the chain last time buyers you know everyone is competing with each other but landlords make up a relatively small proportion of the market so we're not generally in competition with first-time buyers and actually the reason for that mainly is because as landlords you want to buy properties that are going to uh, net more in terms of the rent compared to the the price that you pay for the house and they tend to be the larger homes the family homes they tend to bring stability with them um, and so landlords tend to be going for the homes that are normally just outside of reach of the majority of first-time buyers. All right. And what about the uh, mortgage criteria? What effect is that having? Well, a lot's changed in the last 10 years. You know, we've seen a decade of record low interest rates, but um, yin and yang, you know, you give with one hand, take away with another. The reality is that whilst we've seen record low interest rates, we've seen uh, banks uh, tightening up their lending criteria. We've seen a lot of government intervention into that. The Bank of England looking at banks to increase the amount of money they hold in deposit and to um, lend less compared to the amount of money they hold in deposit. So, um, you know, these, these are all factors that, that affect the ability for people to get mortgages and to to save up to, to buy their home. And I guess these days you need a bigger a deposit than what you had maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm, you'll be interested in the answers to some of these then. Go on then. Is, well, I tell you what, when we look at some case studies, we'll get the answer to that, but right. it will surprise you. Surprise me a little bit. All right, so uh, there's been a lot of activity in the recent budgets uh, to try and help first-time buyers. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, the government acknowledged, um, you know, sort of 
five years into the credit crunch that there were problems and, and they wanted to try and address them. And the first way I think that they tried to address them really was by helping first-time buyers save for a deposit. And the first way they did that was by actually introducing what was called the Help to Buy Mortgage. It was bought in in 2013. And it's an equity loan scheme where the government will loan up to 20% of the value of the house uh, as long as the first-time buyer can put a 5% deposit. So you know, traditionally a 5% deposit is still classed as a low deposit. So it enables first-time buyers to you know, get onto the housing ladder without having to save for a much, much larger deposit. A couple of years after that, actually, they bought in the Help to Buy ISA, um, which is, like ISAs are, tax-free savings vehicles. But the government actually contributes 25% on top of whatever you put into it, up to a maximum of um, £3,000 per person. So a couple could save £24,000, and the government would top that up to £30,000. So that's a you know, good tax-free way. Um, to, to save for a deposit. And then more recently, the government introduced stamp duty relief for first-time buyers. So first-time buyers don't pay stamp duty on the first £300,000 of anything they buy up to half a million. And that is a good point, because when I heard this announced in the budget, I thought it was like the old scheme, where if it was like 301000 then you know, you'd have to pay the stamp duty on the whole lot. But we had someone from Woodfines in the other day, and they reiterated it's not the case. Yeah, that's you right. You literally just pay, if it's 310 grand, then you pay the, the difference of the 10 grand. That's right, that's right. And, and, as, and as long as the house that you're buying is worth no more than £500,000 at the time that you buy it, you still get the full £300,000 of the stamp duty relief. Saves up to five grand for a yeah. first-time buyer. Excellent. So buyers have uh, kind of been named all different uh, things, haven't they, over the generations. you kind of got like the baby boomers, Generation X. We're now talking about the millennials. But I believe there's been some case studies uh, really brought out for some of these um, age groups. Yeah, absolutely. What I did was I actually looked at case studies of uh, people who I knew um, and uh, people my age and, and their parents, in fact. Um, and just so people understand the, the difference between the generation, the baby yeah. boomers were people that were born in a 20-year period between 1945 and 65. Um, the generation after that is referred to as Generation X, who were born between 65 and 80. And then the millennials who are known as Generation Y, were born between 80 and 95. So these are the people who are you know, getting to the uh, the point now where they're old enough to start wanting to, to, to get on the housing market. So obviously, there's a lot of focus on them because they are the first time, but they are this generation's first time yeah. buyers. Um, so what I actually did, I sort of arbitrarily picked an area just simply because I knew some people in an area who I could talk to very candidly about what they paid, what they earned and that kind yeah. of thing. But looking at the baby boomers, the people born between 45 and 65, there's um, a couple that I spoke to who bought, bought the first time with three bedroom semi in Wigan in 1982 for £23,000. That sounds sort of cheap in today's money, doesn't it? But back then it was a reasonable price for a house in that area. Um, now, the couple were only earning £10,000 a year, joint household income. So we think £23,000 might sound cheap, but they were only earning £10,000. Um, now, they actually saved up a £5,000 deposit, which equated to 22% of the value of the house they were buying. But actually, it's 50% of their combined annual income. So that's a lot of money that they, they had to save for a deposit. And at the time, interest rates were astronomical. Um, you know, we've had sort of half a percent for a decade. You know, back then, they were sort of 18, 17, 18% but I guess, household mortgage. I guess to a degree, uh, in those days, uh, in those day and ages, uh, you know, the cost of living was a lot cheaper. Life was a lot simpler. You haven't got all the demands oh, on your, on you're your pocket. You're harping back to a, a bygone age. <laughs> yeah, where, where these <laughs> days, you know, I, I think it's a given fact cost of living is, is a lot more. 
yeah, I mean, there's more more demands in our pocket as well, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, smartphones and more regular holidays. But um, uh, you know, I, I had this conversation with uh, my mother a couple of weeks ago, and she was like, "So you know, we had to rent a room in someone's house when we were first married. You know, we didn't get to to buy a home." And you sort of forget, oh, we we think that this is a modern day problem, but it's not. It's something yeah. that people have been through their whole time. So just to sort of go back to this this, yeah. this couple, this, this baby boomers couple who put down a. 22% deposit, which equated to half the money they earn in one year. Um, their mortgage costs, interest rates are very high, but their mortgage costs, capital and interest, worked out about 40% of their combined annual income, about £4,000 right. a year. Okay, And then you look at the next generation. Looked at a couple who bought their first home in Milton Keynes in 1997. So it's 15 years after the, the, the baby boomer couple. Um, again, it was a three-bedroom semi, and they put down a £6,000 deposit, which was equivalent to 10% of the value of the house and a third of their combined annual income. But mortgage rates were a lot lower than they were in, in the 80s. But their total mortgage costs in the first year, capital and interest, were actually only just over 4,000, 4,125, which was 20% of their combined income. So in that 15-year period, a couple had gone from paying 50% of their combined annual income as a deposit for a house and then paying 40% of what they earned in capital and interest repayments in a year to actually only having to put down 10% deposit uh, and only paying 20% of their combined income in mortgage costs. So you can think, well, in that 15-year period, that became a lot more affordable for those couples. And then we move on to the millennials, Generation Y. Um, and uh, this is a young couple who, who I spoke to, who are genuinely going through the mill at the moment, looking to, to get on the ladder. They also are buying in Wigan. They're buying just around the corner from the couple who, who were baby boomers when they bought in 1982. Um, they've got a combined annual income of 45,000. They've got 15,000 pounds saved up for the deposits. So that's a third of their combined annual income they've managed to save, so that's great. Um, but the same house that, that was bought for 23,000 in 1982 is now bought for £100,000. Um, so their savings only equate to a 15% deposit, but that's still, you know, it's a big chunk, it's a double-digit deposit. What's interesting is because interest rates are so low now, that in their first year, this young millennial couple are still only paying just over £4,000 a year in combined capital and interest payments. So it's swung round that the first couple of baby boomers were paying four grand a year, but almost all of it was interest and very little of it was capital. The millennials nowadays are able to access much, much cheaper mortgages. So they're paying a lot less in capital repayments every year, more in capital repayments every year, a lot less in interest. So it's interesting that in that 35-year period, the amount of money that those first-time buyers had to pay for their sort of average home was around the £4,000 mark. Yet £4,000 35 years ago was a lot harder to come by than yeah. £4,000 today. And so. I guess the help to buy is going to ease the pain uh, slightly. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about Wigan here. I guess in Milton Keynes, we're looking at the, uh, you know, first property probably around two hundred to 250000 yeah, so, I mean, it's, so it's, how does that compare to maybe like a hundred grand in Wigan? Because I guess that even though the wages are here and maybe a bit higher, and your couple here is maybe earning forty-five grand, you might think, well, the average couple in Milton Keynes might be earning say sixty or seventy. Well, no, not really, because the the average wage in the UK is only around about sort of twenty-four thousand pounds. So yeah. e even if you sort of weighted it higher for being 
where we are, a little bit further further south, you know, yeah, you probably you're probably looking at maybe around the fifty thousand pound mark right. for for a couple. And house prices are more expensive in the south than they are in the north. But it's all relative because the baby boomers would have paid a lot more than twenty three thousand yeah. for a three bed in Milton Keynes uh, than than they would have done uh, in Wigan at the time. But um, it was interesting just comparing apples with apples yeah. and looking to see well actually what what are costs that were involved and you, what you can see is that um, it was actually, let's say our generation, Generation X, we had it a little bit easier than the generation before us and the generation that's coming after us. And the, the affordability index that's tracked by, by Nationwide showed that in 1982, the average mortgage payment was 28% of take-home pay. Yet 10 years later, it had five years later, it had risen to 55%, and then 10 years later, it dropped back down to 28%. So in that 10-year period, there was a huge swing between how much people were paying out their take-home pay to pay for housing costs. Um, but it continued to fall from 1992 to, to 96, and it tumbled to just 17%. So, you know, anyone that was buying in the mid-90s when house prices were sorely depressed, you know, was actually paying less for, for their home. We, we know that. But that affordability has, has sort of steadily climbed into the uh, credit crunch. It reached 51% in 2007. But it's dropped back down today to 32%. So if in 1982 it was 28% of take-home pay, and today it's 32%, it's not that different. Okay. Uh, so what's the conclusion then, generally, as regards as people getting on the property ladder for the first time? Is it a case that like, really you need to stay with mum and dad rather than renting? Because I guess if you're paying some of the high rent prices, you're never going to be able to get on the ladder by saving. I think the reality is, is that if anyone's motivated to get on the housing ladder, they're going to be able to do it. Um, yes, of course, you need to be earning enough to, to be able to demonstrate that you you, know, you can actually afford to take out the mortgage. But so I think um, couples especially, if you've got joint incomes and, and, you, and you're able to, to demonstrate a reasonable income and a good savings track record, you, know, you, you are going to get there. But what, what we have to realise is, but looking at the metrics that we've just looked at, you know, home ownership today is actually quite affordable by historic standards. It's yeah. almost as affordable now as it was 35 years ago. It's not a lot more expensive now. It's 32% of your take-home pay versus 28 30, uh, 35 years ago. So it is quite affordable. And, and one of the things that does seem to be helping people is the help to buy equity loan scheme with the bonuses that are available there. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think you can save a 5% deposit, the government will loan you the other 20%. You can save for that 5% in a uh, in a help to buy ISA and save yourself up to five grand's worth of stamp duty. You know, these are all incentives that just didn't exist in the generations before. Yeah. So there are a lot of things actually that 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 are easing the pressure um, on millennials. But the reality is, is, like I said, I think anyone who's motivated to, to be a first-time buyer at the moment, they, they are going to be able to achieve it. It's not an unachievable no. um, thing. It's just they are going to need to save, and they, perhaps they're going to need to forego the latest smartphone or well, was, the, was, the avocado on toast yeah. as was publicised. I, I, I was just uh, <laughs> you know, looking at some of the notes again here, and I suppose what uh, reminded me uh, of what you've put here, and, and you've made the point about you can't have your cake and eat it i remember a friend of mine he was working for a well-known uh, furniture retailer when the bonuses were very very good and he made up his mind that within five years he was going to move to roads and basically buy a property cash and basically what he did is that he had all the bonuses that he could that he was at work worked hard worked all the overtime etc etc but he lived a very modest lifestyle for those four or five years he wouldn't go out you know, he was buying, you know, beans on toast and all that type yeah. of stuff. And literally, Been there and done that. <laughs> and literally, uh, you know, saved every penny he could. He went into work one day and he was like mid-30s at the time and literally went into work, not with a resignation letter, 
but with a retirement letter. <laughs> Basically saying oh, <laughs> that he was retiring to Rhodes and literally bought a place with a swimming pool cash. Wow. And all that came through the money that he saved over that five-year period. Wow, there you go. Well, he's a shining beacon, I think, to all of yeah. us that shows what you can achieve if you really want to. One of the last things I'd like to say yeah. is that whilst... You know, millennials might be feeling a little bit hard done by their struggling to get on the housing ladder. Perhaps they're living with mum and dad longer. You know, they need to remember that at some point they will inherit mum and dad's property wealth. Yeah. And by the time that happens, it'll be the next generation, the new millennials. I don't know what we're going to call them. It'll be then that will be complaining about struggling to, to get on the housing ladder. So these things are all relative and, you know, we will end up talking like our mum and dads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think as well from your case studies, it does actually show that, you know, when you look at like the good old days of the 40s, the 60s, uh, you know, the, the, the 80s, the 90s, uh, you know, when you look back and you actually make relation to what earnings were at the time, the deposits that required, and then when you look at the monthly repayments versus today's, you can actually see to a degree it swings and roundabouts. Yeah, absolutely. It's harder to save for a deposit now because deposits tend, you know, tend to need to, to save more money. But once you can, once you've saved a deposit and you can access a mortgage it's actually quite cheap living from then on yeah so um yeah you know the future's bright i think for, for all right excellent well that's it for our june podcast if you want to get in contact with alex for any help or advice you can do that yeah absolutely you can always call me in the office 01908 904 334 all right alex thanks a lot thanks so much aaron